Beers and Banter, episode 36. We've got a special guest in the house tonight. He's a two-time Olympian, three-time Noosa Triathlon winner, multiple-time Australian Triathlete of the Year, Ironman race winner, and Red Bull athlete Courtney Atkinson. Let's rip in. Courtney Atkinson, welcome to Beers and Banter. Thanks for having us. And uh, as is customary to kick off uh, Beers and Banter, we need a beer. Bloody oath, we need a beer. So I got some goldies on request, Forex Gold. You ju- had a jump start by the looks of it. Got, got one for Dana there over go. there too. I do. There you go. We are, we are social distancing today, so I'm pretty sure there's a metre and a half between us. Not impartial to the old gold either. We got Dane Murray in the background. I haven't mocked him up tonight because he's a bit too chirpy. But um, actually, would you believe this? I had a bloke tell me last week that Dane Murray was the most underrated cyclist on the Gold Coast. He taught me everything I know. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. It's um, first one back. I'm a little bit rusty, actually. So bear with me. Uh, really enjoyed sort of looking back over your career in the in the lead up to this, but. How have you been going over the last couple of months? It doesn't seem like you're the kind of bloke that uh, sits still for very long. Yeah, no, I mean, I consider myself pretty fortunate over the last few months. It's been, um, you know, quite busy. Uh, I mean, obviously outdoors has has been a lot harder to get out, but, you know, we're lucky here in Queensland. We've been able to get out still, you know, obviously exercise has been one of the few things we can do. So, um, you know, when your job, I suppose, and everything I do still revolves around being an athlete. Um, being able to get out there every day is a, a good start. I've never seen so many people on the beach at this time of year. Hey, you want to see the forest. <laughs> Man, I'd, I'd like to own a bike shop at the moment. Bikes went through the roof. You can't buy weights anywhere. Uh, what else? Was, there's, there's a whole heap of things that are actually booming at the moment. 100%. Oh, it's good good, um, good for society, right? Everything uh, from such a you know an awful situation for so many people. One good things come out of it is the fact that a lot of you know you've seen a lot more people out there exercising. So hopefully it continues. I hope there are some silver linings. Like there's some countries that are really doing it tough at the moment, and and they got a long way back. But you would hope that the the planet has looked at what's going on and gone, geez, there are some some things that we take out. You know, when when we do relax a little bit, the planet breathes, and you know, wildlife seems to come back to certain areas. I read an article today, it talked about basically uh, a lot of cities are going to fast track bicycle lanes and pedestrian lanes uh, because they're noticing that there's actually not enough room on the pavement if everyone decides to walk everywhere. So that could be an interesting change in some of the metro areas to see you know, less cars and more bikes and pedestrians. 100%. I mean, first thing is you can see the Himalayas now from some cities, which is a, you know, just goes to show how much, we're, what we're doing to the world, right? But um you know, it's obviously there was a bit of a reset and people jumped on the bandwagon of exercise. But if, you know, I suppose 60% of them continue along that lines, I think it's going to be good for society, right? And good for our health system and everything else. Let's hope more people start riding and running. Do you think the internal, the inside gym might struggle after this? No, I think there's going to be still, you know, you'll get your core people who love going to the gym. And, you know, once the offices get back to norm, you know, a bit of normality, um, that's how, that suits some people's lives. But I reckon there's, um, there's a percentage too also realised, you know, if you go for a walk in the bush or, 
you know, in a rainforest or up in the, you know, up in the hills, it's a pretty nice thing and it's a, you know, an alternative to just pumping out the iron. It's good for your mental health as well, just getting outside. I've, I've a bit of bro science. I've heard a lot of stuff that they reckon vitamin D is really good for, for this thing, that people that are vitamin D deficient have really struggled harder than, than most with the with the COVID-19 thing. So it could be, could be a part of the reason why Australia went so well during it or maybe it's just good management, I don't know. Yeah, maybe. I no mean, facts here, just a, yeah, you know, <laughs> it's like, a speculation. It's not, it's not really science. Hey? You go out in the morning or if you're in the surf, in the sun or whatever, you feel good. And, and I think a lot of people put, you know, there's a lot of talk around health and mental health these days. And the reality is if you put yourself outdoors more often than not, you're on probably pretty good track to feeling pretty good i found it interesting that you know they're worried about surfers and i was thinking that that is the that is the last place that you're gonna gonna swap germs out there like you, you're very rarely hugging or high-fiving in the surf and you've got covered in salt water and sun and yeah I, I didn't see it yeah but i mean on the flip side of all that right it, this comes it comes back to a, you've got to have majority of the people you know, toeing the line, doing the right thing. And, yeah. you know, in the end, we've come out of this amazing sofa. So you know, far. Look, you know, we're not right through it, but we've come out amazing compared to what could have happened. Yeah. So it's easy in hindsight to look back and think, oh, you know, why did we do that? Or, you know, we could have been out doing, you know, not we couldn't have stopped. We could have not stopped as much as what we did. But then on the flip side, if we went, you know, the other way, we'd be sitting there having a com- different conversation. It, it's hard. And that's why my, my opinion on the whole thing flip-flops every day. I go, geez, I, this was unnecessary. And then I go, oh, geez, I'm glad that that was that way. When you start to look at some of the other countries and what they're dealing with at the moment. But do you get any, any time for just some couch time? There's lots of documentaries and plenty of TV shows out there at the moment. Oh, bloody oath, yeah. Um, not impartial to Netflix, um, like any, like everyone. But you know, I, I suppose when it comes to TV and um, you know whether it's gaming or whatever it is, you know, for me, that's a little bit like my meditation as well. Yeah. So like you know, people want to chill out completely, zone out. Well, I suppose when you're out running and spending you know a fair bit of your time outdoors, to me, you know, you're doing a lot of thinking and you're out there on your own or you know, I suppose isolating or you're out in nature, all those types of things. And to me, that's mental health for me. Yeah. That's why I go out and, you know, I probably enjoy running a little bit is you get out and you can kind of just think or you can kind of zone out and, and not think at all. Um, and then on the flip side, when I watch something like Netflix, you know, you don't think at all. You just, that's that's in a way um, as bad as it is to say, a bit of meditation. Did you uh, did you see the big one that everyone's talking about, The Last Dance? Have you watched that? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Crazy. And one of the biggest documentaries of all time, I would say, um, so much hype. Weird, weird that the uh, Luke Longley has basically stayed right out of the limelight there. It seems by choice, but they tried to say that it was a budget issue. I'm thinking they can have Steve Kerr's mum on the on the thing. That there's there's got to be bandwidth for the starting centre of the Chicago Bulls. But I've I've watched them all. I I, I signed up for a free um, Amazon Prime just the thirty days. Just to watch a movie and then realise that uh, the ashes, uh, the test, that's a really good one. Starts with um, Justin Langer as he takes over his tenure as Australian coach. And uh, just, he's just softly, softly for the first couple of weeks and then just starts ripping in because they just keep falling out. The batting lineup just keeps falling over. That and um, the Kelly Slater one was really good. Momentum generation. Have you seen that? I've seen my man in generation. I can't say oh, I've seen the cricket. Have you seen the cricket? No. I haven't no. seen the slate one either. I've but heard I, of it. Yeah. I mean, the one that kicked them all off really was the F1. 
Yeah. The first the first Netflix version, like Drive to Survive. Yeah, Drive to Survive, the first version was like I mean, that's really what's reinvented. Yeah. Um, behind the scenes, you know, professional sports, Netflix television, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and that's I reckon uh you know, the rest are just following. <laughs> They're trying to copy what they did because they the, the audiences you know, of that one Netflix um, show, you know, literally doubled. It was funny. The drivers would say things thinking that it had mean that they'd cut it out. Like some of the things Ricardo said to the camera thinking that, oh, well, I'll just, that'll just end up on the cutting room floor and they played it. It was some of the behind-the-scenes stuff where they clearly didn't – They'd forgotten that they were mic'd up. Like, they'd disappear into a room, but they were obviously still wearing the camera crew's mics. And it's, it's some of it's great, like drivers carrying on. And, yeah, it's all the stuff you want to see on the coverage that obviously it just disappears behind a closed door and you've got to assume what happens next. But, yeah, I, that was that was really good. Yeah. I was gobsmacked because I just couldn't believe what they were showing. Like, the access they had to, you know... Well, you've just never you've never hey, seen it before. Hey, Dane, pull the pull the mic over. Can you hear me? Yeah, that's I can good. Hear you loud and clear. Now, Perfect. Mate. I was going to say the F one's pretty much real hush hush, isn't it? Like the teams and the technology and everything. So it's yeah, I mean, but they showed. I mean, technology is one thing, but just just what the access they had to the people. And what they were actually showing and behind the scenes. I mean, I just never thought a sport like that would ever come out. How some way. of the team bosses speak to their people is absolutely phenomenal. Really? I'll have to watch that one. I've got yeah. plenty of time on the couch. Oh, so. mate. You listen to that, that one. That's, Drive that to survive. Gold. Check you know, it out. If I had one to watch, that would be, you know, that would be it. Obviously, The Last Dance is it's more more interest because I think it's, it's appealing to everyone, you know. Your wife at home can watch it and still have interest in it, and even if they don't, you know, not super into sport. Whereas, yeah. um, you know, F1, I think you've got to probably have a bit of both, be into sport and also kind of be just interested in, you know, just, uh, what was it? Craziness, really. How much <laughs> pressure was on some of those young guys? And you can just see it building and building in. I think it was uh, Gasly when he was in the number two seat at Red Bull and just really, really struggling with how much pressure... Max is at the top of the field and he's just struggling below, below teams that he should be in front of. Yeah, and then right. they punted him to the number two team and he actually started going better. So it was, it's just really interesting, all that behind-the-scenes stuff and how they speak to him. And it's like they probably earn their bucks, those guys, to a degree. 100% earn their bucks. And then also, you know, if you think even just five years ago, you know, sports just been flipped on its head. Mm. Um, you know, you'd never see the behind the scenes stuff or the personal stuff that people are showing these days. And, you know, I think you find different sports people have, you know, look at it differently of what they want to show. But, um, you know, I, I didn't think, I suppose, 10 years ago, five years ago, that I'd ever see the day where you're, you know, seeing into the living room of Ronaldo or someone doing exercises on their home floor and seeing, you know, just their family life and that it's, it's like really interesting to see the way, um, I suppose technology now and social media and TV is is, is um, shaping sport for the future. The Americans have done it. A f- they've had a fairly invasive media for a long, long time. So you, you look at that last dance and you look at Michael Jordan post-game, just can't even walk for microphones and cameras. Mm. And then you've got, you know, current day, like Australian athletes, like not wanting to talk to the media. And it's like, do you not? That's that's the hand that feeds you yeah, is, exactly. is all those people. Yeah. But it's... It, it's it's crazy and it this this time has even yeah taken us right inside some of these people's homes. Um, 
I want to take you. I want you to take us back to your early days in the Gold Coast. You're you're a Queenslander, born in Mackay, but obviously come to the coast at, at fairly young. Correct. Yeah. No, I went to quickly to Brizzy, but yeah, been at the coast all my life. Um, yeah. Just down the road here at Miami Primary, and then went off to TSS after that up at Southport. But always been around this area. Proper local. Proper proper local. Um, take us back to your nipper days. Pretty handy nipper. Yeah, so my, I started at Surfers Paradise um, Surf Club and those guys, like I, I was racing with, I suppose, Grant Hacker, there was a young, another fellow, Chris Wood, who's now a teacher at Merrimack, isn't he, Dane? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, assistant principal, I think. Since assistant principal, yeah. yep. Um, Lives down the road, actually. Who else? Dave Rastovich was um, the, one of the, the guys. Who, yeah, the surfer yep. Dave Rastovich was one of the guys in our team. So I think, you know, there's some photos hanging around Surfers Club that um, – you know, have all of us in that team, which is like pretty unique, I suppose, the fact where we ended up in life after that, um, completely different areas in sport, but all started back there at Surface um, Surf Club. And then I moved to North Burley. Yeah. Um, and that's where really, I suppose, the bulk of my mates and, you know, really had the best young youth and youth days or young days of my life, right? Yeah. Why did you join? Why did you come? Because you... I, I don't actually know how to answer that. I don't. I actually don't know why I came. You'll find out really quickly on a podcast like this. I have. I the worst recollection of um, everything just melts into one. Of, like sometimes, like that was actually. Oh, to be fair, it's a fair while. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, but I just can't. Did I know you? Did I know you before then? I doubt it. No. Yeah, but I mean, that we we were it's probably closer to home. This is this is going more like 13, 12, 13. The first year you're a first year cadet on the mail, like on the mails, you finished nippers at surface. I reckon, I reckon it must have come after nippers, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure over. you did. And we were, I was cadet second year, and you were first year cadet. So I, I don't remember if I knew you before that. But who did you know in the club then? Trent Ryan, yeah, Trent Ryan's age group, all those guys, I think. Shane Williams. Yeah. I suppose I, ra- I, ra- I would have raced them as a nipper. Mm. So I would have known all the guys. I would have raced, no, like Timmy Walker and everyone I knew as a That's nipper. Right. Yeah, so we were like. TSS isn't. No, nice. but that was prior to TSS. So if you think about it, it was, we used to go and travel for those Queensland and New South Wales teams and that. So we'd race each other, kind of be yeah, on those teams right. together in nippers and then. Um, but anyway, long long story short, best probably some of the best days of my life down at Burley. Yeah. North Burley. Yeah. So at Surface you would have had Trevor Hendy to look up to, come down to North Burley. It was potentially Scotty Reeves was probably in the top game at that point or, or oh, about oh, to make uh, it. Yeah. No, nah, Reeves was at the end. Yeah, the tail end. Yeah, but the start when you would have been, there would have been. So as you're hitting your peak, surf life savings in probably its golden era. And triathlon, and they both sports dominate. Like your after, you know, your weekend viewing. For well, for a kid like me, it definitely was. You know, triathlon had uh, Brad Bevan and Miles um, Stewart, and just household names at the time. Life saving had you know Handy, Guy Andrews, you know Dwayne Ties, all those guys. What what made you go from surf life saving, where you said you, like you're having such a great time, but you've you've gone towards the triathlon? What what happened there? Um, the Southport School, TSS, happened. Um, yep. So I went up to TSS at the beginning of high school and had no idea I could run. So up to that stage, like all through my young days at Miami Primary, 
um, you know, I was, I was an all right endurance athlete, but I was a swimmer. So yeah. when I'd go and run the 800s or the cross country, you know, I wouldn't do too bad, but I was definitely not winning them. Um, I can remember doing 800s over here at Pissy Park and being like, you know, half the field back, um, from the guys winning in the grade. But for some reason, when I, when I arrived at TSS, we went, um, off on a school camp up the back of Canungra. Yep. And, um, as part of going to school there, we used to do army cadets. Um, compulsory. So I think that first year we went on camp, um, literally in the first or second week of school, we had to run every morning this loop in our um, cadet boots. Um, first morning we did it, training, training, training. And then the final morning of that week, there was a race. Um, and literally you won this like perpetual trophy of a old like army boot on a stump, which had been passed down over years and years at the school. And, um, and I won it. I don't, don't know why, don't know how. It just like, you know, I was so fit, I reckon, from years and years of swimming yeah. um, that it got me through the distance. And from literally that day on, I was a runner. Yeah, right. um, so then I went through really quickly to like, like national level. So racing, um, you know, guys who then went on, I suppose, to race um, Olympic Games in our marathoning, uh, in our marathon teams. Yep. I'd race them at national level. Um, and then while I was at high school, there was a guy named Greg Redan who was, I think, um, the highest place triathlete at the Hawaii Ironman. He was a teacher at the school, kind of put two and two together that I could swim and run all right, put me on a bike. And I remember I used to go around in winter like in tracky pants yeah. when I was first on the bike. And um, mate, by the time I left high school, even before I left high school, I was already, you know, ripped off overseas race and triathlon. So it wasn't so much that I made the choice. Yeah. Um, it was just all opportunity. Because something me and my mates like to do is, I, I was never any good at surf club. I, I arrived there late. Uh, I'd played footy, was h- half decent across the sand, so I was a bit of a beachy. Like By the time I'd arrived in surf life saving, it was just, I was too slow in the water to be, to be any good. But I do love the sport and I don't think there's, I think it's got to be the most Australian sport there is. You know, AFL might argue with it, but I don't know, on the beach, you know, summers on the beach is just to me is the most Australian thing you can do um but I, I wonder where where did surf lifesaving start to nosedive and triathlon still well it's a global sport I understand that side of it but in Australia surf lifesaving just really struggles for any sort of um attention nowadays yeah I don't think it no matter what I say I'm gonna probably put myself in the shit here some way or another at the Olympics yeah but I remember the Toby's before 2000. That's when yeah, triathlon was first in the Olympics. 2000, yeah. Yeah. So that went Olympic sport. They got all the funding. Yeah. All the attention. And Uncle Toby's pulled the pin. I guess there's a, it's a end. money aspect too. That like you, you, Australians – and the, I think it's really Australian, but people that live more than 10Ks from the, from the, from the beach no, probably no, don't no. – don't doesn't even register yeah. for them. Whereas triathlon, something you can do in any town, any place in the in in the world. Well, I, I think, guess. and I think that's what I was going to say. The bigger problem um, for surf life saving, I suppose, was that it wasn't global. There was always that Nutrigrain ad with the dude had the wheels on his on his paddleboard. <laughs> you remember that? <laughs> that's not real. <laughs> Country somewhere, but that but globalization. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, like uh, triathlon and surf life saving when they coexisted here in Australia, you didn't have. Um, 
there wasn't that the ease of international travel even. There wasn't yep. international sport. That was all that existed and you could only really watch what was on TV and put in front of you. So that's what you, you know, on a Sunday, yeah. you were given triathlon to watch or Ironman or cricket or whatever it was. They used to follow each other too sometimes on yeah. the same channel. Well, we actually, the same event. we joined yeah. at one, yeah. for one year we joined together. So yeah, we'd right. literally race at the same beach and yeah. um, they were like amazing days and like it was as the, the way it was around a, like an Australian sport. I think that, you know, we'll never have that again with globalisation. But um, to answer your question, two things. The Olympics happened yep. and the fact that triathlon just was a global sport. I mean, it was being raced all across the world. It was strong in America. Hawaii, I mean, even the Hawaii Ironman, um, you know, outside of Australia, Ironman is actually triathlon. Yep. Yep. Um, but that had nothing to do, I suppose, with where I was going. Um, I started off purely just wanting to race like, I wanted to be like Trevor and those guys in Ironman, but my chosen sport was triathlon. So um, I spent pretty much my first maybe eight years, all I wanted to do, all I cared about was trying to win the races that were on TV. Yeah. Um, and that's how we made our income. So like straight out of school, um, I spent the, you know, the rest of those you know, eight to 10 years um, racing as a profession. And then the Olympics happened and then, you know, after that, it just, you know, we spent most of our life overseas, I suppose. So you sort of got a, from memory, and, and I'm trying to trying to think back, you're one of those sort of never say die, you know, it was sort of like you're always were just waiting for you to come from the clouds to, 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 to win a race at times. Is that is that wrong or no? No, I think that's pretty wrong. <laughs> no? No good? I, uh, I go down pretty easy, I reckon. No. <laughs> I your, reckon your, your big one was the first one you beat Bevan at Southport, wasn't it? Where you just pipped him, Southport. Yeah, which is maybe, what, maybe what I'm thinking even of. That when you look back at it, I reckon there was, there was a bit of a dodgy, dodgy arm in there, mate. <laughs> 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 we're racing pretty close like back in those days. You, but you're, you're being modest. <laughs> yeah, because oh, well, I think you're still at school, then, mate. I think you're still yeah, in grade twelve. I think I was seventeen. And yeah, Bevan was the man, and uh, you well, pipped him at the yeah. Dead set but what people step. don't really like, I mean you talk about more how things happen and it all sounds like you said easy now and you just like kind of laugh over it and glaze over it but um the story i used to literally get up at so we used to swim down here at miami pool with dennis cottrell and what did the start we'd be in the water at 5 30 would have been a fair squad back then too yep, yep and i used to get up prior to going swimming ride my bike from mermaid waters here up to the Southport car park because I knew there'd be no cars in there in the dark with lights on and literally just ride laps of the course we were going to race. Yeah. Like for 40 minutes. Because, yeah, like, and, and I think now if I had a kid, well, I do have kids, would you, would you let them ride up at 4.30, leave home at 4.30 in the morning no in the chance. dark into the Southport car park, which used to be the car park, it's now probably the swimming pool. Um, and I used to ride laps there with a headlamp on on my own in the dark and then make it back down to Miami swim pool to jump in the water at 5.30. And that's and when people like go, oh, you won your first race and they think, you know, it's a little easy in that. I, I used to ride down there, you know, twice a week and just lap around this like 400-metre course so I knew that I would be better in the corner than anyone else. So what I'm trying to work out is because I don't have that mindset. I was, I was a sprinter. I was good for 100 and then was gone. No, no endurance. As soon as I, <laughs> I was cooked. Yeah. Same as footy. Good for a couple of hit ups. Then I'll be looking at the bench, bench like, yeah, I'm, I'm good to go. I'm swap me out. Like, 
where does that gritty, never give up endurance mindset come from? Are you born with it or is it made? I think it's definitely your, you have genetics for it, um, but then it's also trainable. From, from memory, it was a pretty hand, you had a pretty handy family. Like your brother and sister were pretty, pretty good at sport too. Oh, yeah. I mean, we we're all okay, but um, I think it, it's very, to get endurance sport, you can train, right? Um, yeah. 100%. I mean, look at, like, Dane started riding. What time, what, what age did you start riding your bike? 20s. 20, early like 20s, early 20s, yeah. maybe mid-20s. Like seriously. I mean, when we first went, we, like, because we are mates, we first started riding bikes and Dane helped, actually helped me train for a lot of my later Olympic stuff and that and was, pro, you know, my main training partner. Yeah. But just purely from going out and just riding and riding, you just got better and better and better over time to the mm. point where he probably would outride me um, when he got so serious on the bike that he'd, keep going but that's just tra- that's complete train he had talent as a surf lifesaver surfer all that it's and then was able stretch. to stretch nah. <laughs> but he could but it's trainable up to that you know yeah. to a really high standard in endurance um i think when when you talk about then switching over to that olympic level yeah you probably you know for me it was probably more talent and then i just trained on top of it going to tell you a weird story and you probably it's probably going to sound a bit it's going to sound weird. I played footy with your brother Rick, and something that's this is we're talking like twenty odd, twenty five odd years ago. And there's something that he said one day that has stuck with me. And I didn't know whether it was an upbringing thing or whether it was just like you know when kids you're all spitting like at footy. It's like oh you know you're sort of getting a bit tired and you start spitting. And he just sort of piped up one because I think my old man must have clipped me around the ear or something. And he sort of piped up and said, "If you've got spit left in your mouth." You've still got something left in the tank, <laughs> and it's going to be the sound of so weird. Like, why would you remember that twenty five years later? But I dry, you know. Yeah, that's that's, yeah. and I didn't know whether that was something that he'd got from your dad or from your family, or it was just. <laughs> I just remember I remember him having like a motor, like I, I, two hit ups, and I'm done. Rick would play all day and then go and do another sport after that. Like, I did. That's what he'd like to hear that. Maybe you tell him um, what a badass. Yeah. I don't know, that's a no. weird memory to have as like a 10-year-old kid, but yeah, it was just something that stuck with me. Like A lot of, I mean, I can't answer you. A lot of these questions aren't, what was I, your I dad, don't have What did your mum and dad do? What, were they athletic? Not, not really. No. no, not that. I mean, back then, unless Mom's you were like, swimming. Yeah, probably. Um, but to answer your question, like there's not easy answers. Yeah, <laughs> there's not easy answers to your question because the, um, when it comes to sport, I mean, a lot of it is just like once you're in the zone or once you're doing something, you don't actually think about it too much. Yeah, I've, not, I've never had that problem. I think pe- some people are born with it and some people aren't. Because yeah. if, yeah. I, I, if you want to put it in a different perspective, I think with endurance, like if you can go out and you actually start enjoying like when it, when it gets uncomfortable yeah. and you actually get into that area of like this is not – I'm not going super hard, but I'm not going super easy. Yeah. And then you start to enjoy that area and you probably know you're ready for endurance sports. Mm. Cause, um, it's a corporate buzzword now. What's being, that? Being comfortably uncomfortable. Oh. Oh. I reckon yeah. I trademarked that about 10 years ago. That was <laughs> up, up Springbrook every day. Hey, I say, you don't want to go? You just, you've got, if you can ride the whole thing the uncomfortable. Spot. Yep. Sweet spot. Just before you start to like go and like there's a lot – I suppose later in the later years of me racing, there was a lot of technology that come into the sport, but yeah. I, you know, I always like to still go by feel. So yep. I still, I mean, these days I have all the 
GPS stuff and not that I ride a heap these days, but um, power meters and all that type of thing. But I still would prefer just to listen, you know, there's something about just listening to your body and knowing where you're at yep. and that then knowing how far you can push yourself to kind of just before you fall off the edge. And I reckon when you get home from doing something like that, you know, at the time you feel absolutely gobsmacked, but when you get home, that's when you feel the best. Yeah. Like com- body's completely awake and mm. yeah. Next question. Is the Gold Coast the sporting capital of Australia? So yes. Yeah. I like it. I like that answer. hundred percent. Um, it's changed. I mean, back, going back 20 years ago in individual sport, it was probably one of the only places to be. Um, there's been a few different, I suppose, towns, cities that have, you know, I know in endurance sport, like places like Noosa, people kind of, Gold Coast got a bit busy and a few yeah. moved away. The internationals who all used to come to the Gold Coast, you know, they went off to, um, you know, maybe quieter places. Um, but for me, as far as terrain goes, for endurance sports and, and a lot of sports because of climate as well. Yeah. Um, you know, you can't beat the Gold Coast. And if you actually went through, and we're talking pure individual sports here now, but if you actually went through, you know, drivers, motocross, um, triathlon, swimming, whatever, running, um, you know, th- think of guys like Michael Shelley, all that, like even runners that have come, you know, recently. Yeah. Hey, there's a lot of people on the Gold Coast. And it's the argument I have um, – that I'm, I'm campaigning to to have Gold Coast recognised as the sporting capital of Australia because everyone's quick to dismiss the Gold Coast as never be successful with some of our sporting teams as far as on field performance and oh we just need to shift them and they'll do well and it's like it's it's got nothing to do with the, this is the best location in Australia to who, who are you versing well you know all the uh, the Sydney Sydney teams that are good for nothing but I don't know it's it's just an argument I always have that they're the location is not an excuse for not succeeding in a team sport. Yeah, I mean, team sports are going to be different, but I don't think you'd get too big an argument that Gold Coast wouldn't have produced, you know, majority or a, a big hand in a lot of Australia's um, individual sports. Some, stars. Of our, some of our greatest swimmers, greatest triathletes. Adam Scott, golf. Golf. Um, yeah, true. You know, even if you go down to like, I think of just our, like when I'm thinking even just school, um, you know, you're thinking Adam Scott, you've got, um, oh, just lost his name, Chris Atkinson, you know, literally oh, one of our only world, world oh, rally, rally drivers, yeah. um, surfers, 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 obviously it's a no brainer. Yeah. yeah. I mean, surfers all have come down from down Cooley here. Um, it's endless all like you think rugby, you know, Matty Rogers. Yeah. Um, Lost for words now. I've kind of forgotten them all. That's all right. <laughs> yeah. you, you mentioned one, of them. You mentioned one. Nathan Sharp. Yeah. You know, lots Wallace. of footy players. Kenny I think Wallace. Kenny Wallace. I spoke to him today, actually. Gave job. him a call. And, um, you know, these are all – oh, Kai Hurst was doing a lot of his training. Mm-hmm. Like one of – I think London Olympics. Like if you think about memories I've had um, and Gold Coast memories. So at with triathlon, when we go to the games, we generally wouldn't go to the opening ceremony because – being an endurance sport, you know, you don't want to waste energy and we'd always be training off location, not yep. wherever the games were. But for London, it was like, my, you know, I was thinking, I'm only, I was in France at the time, only like an hour flight away and I'm like, I'm going no matter what. So I flew into the um, village the night before and literally they gave me a room with just Kai and Kenny. So two of my, and Cole Braun. Um, Scotsman. Scotsman, who used to be at North Burley, yeah, who yeah, was um, Kai's swim coach and, hung around North Burley heaps, um, him as well. So literally the four of us 
went out and marched in the opening ceremony together that's and got to cool. stay in the village that night together. Um, you know, and that's Australians and Olympic Games in London for Gold Coasters that we just used to, you know, knock around as kids and hang out. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. You mentioned one of my other favourite places on the planet, Noosa, before. You're, you're a multiple time winner there. Um, but looking through your some of your stats, is that the kids in the background there? Um, Probably my mob. You've won and placed <laughs> across the street. <laughs> <laughs> You've won and placed at at some of the biggest triathlons around the world. When I was looking through your stats today, the one that piqued my interest the most was the escape from Alcatraz. I'm going to read you a quote. It's pretty rough, but coldest winter ever was a summer in San Francisco. I don't know if it's a Mark Twain code uh, quote or something like that, but that joint was free. The time I visited, it was absolutely freezing. How did what was that race like? Hey, the water's cold, cold. I don't think it was too bad the year. So it was one of those bucket race, the bucket list races I've always wanted to do. There's certain yep. races around the globe that weren't, um, you know, world championship races, world cups and all that. It was these like, in triathlon you have these, I suppose, destination events. And it was definitely one I'd always wanted to do. Never got to it. Finally, one year went. Um, water was about 11 degrees. The thing is you go out in a boat. So when they say escape from Alcatraz, you literally are escaping from Alcatraz. So yep. they take you out on a ferry. Um, the race is limited to, I think, 2,000 people maybe. And um, 100 metres off the side of Alcatraz, you yep. jump off the side of the ship and just swim back to shore. So there's no buoys. Um, there's no sighting markers. You're literally just, you know, two miles straight back across oh, yeah. um, the thing. The one – and I People probably, if anyone who who knows me, I've told this story over and over again, but I'll tell it one more time. Um, the thing is, obviously, the harbour's pretty well known for Great Whites, right? It's not a yeah. through that area. And um, that was always like my thought process of swimming there in a, in a black weddy like a seal. Because <laughs> the, seal, the seals are all – have you been there, Dane? No, no. So you go to one of the piers just there <laughs> oh, yeah. and you can smell the seals yeah, before yeah. you see them or hear them. They're everywhere. So. They're everywhere. So you yeah. literally, you're dressed in a, you're a seal. Yeah. You, you, it's literally escape from Alcatraz yeah, as a seal, seal um, swim two mile across the open water back to the beach. So It's fair um, current too. Yeah, breaks. I mean, it, as far as safety goes, I don't think they'd be running it here in Australia. They like kind of split open this field like across the, with the currents. Um, you know, two miles is a fair, I think two miles, what's that? It's, like, salt, it's 3.2. 3.2, uh, sorry. 3.2. No, don't time. quote me on the distance, but um, it's a it's a longer swim than Olympic distance anyway. And um, pretty much, I you know we got through the race; it was all fine. The next year, about I was watching YouTube, um, and they told us the sharks were like you know no issue because of the water temperature at that time or blah blah blah, blah bull crap. Yeah. Um, next to that ferry that goes out to Alcatraz, this massive crate white takes a seal out of the water next oh, to the ferry oh. while they're like on oh. iPhones filming it. Um, takes it out of the water, dumps it. Like, well, Before the race or just... No, just like, you just like yeah, six months oh. later or whatever after the race. Um, that's like where we've just jumped in yeah. the water in wetsuits. I was like, far out, lucky. I've got that done. Yeah, that's never, horrendous. Never and move on. And did it, yeah, did all right. How, how's the beers? Everyone right? Yeah, I'm good. I'm empty. Well, if Dane's having another one, I'll have another one. I've got to try it for him. Yeah, I've got a quick walk. Did you win that? Did you win that one? Nah, I got second. Who won? Second. I do remember watching it. Oh, 
American. No, pots. Pots. Handy pots. So probably one of the, if you went... Three bucket list race or three bucket list races I've done um, would be Alcatraz. Yep. Um, coast to coast in New Zealand. So an adventure race across New Zealand um, that Dane come to. Yeah, I did that one. <laughs> <laughs> Dane come and handled, handled for me on that day. Literally, <laughs> you, can tell, you can day, tell the story day. of Paul, how what you – so the, the long day but for us in a boat. So there's a 70-kilometre um, kayak paddle. Um, whitewater downriver kayaking. It took me five hours. Anyway, Dane had to drag me out of the boat. Yeah, <laughs> literally, like, dragging, like, pulling me out of it. <laughs> and then you got to got to ride seventy k um, back into Christchurch after that. And literally, yeah, your legs are so gone. Um, your handlers. So in this case, it was Dane and and one of the other just fellas. numb from sitting there five hours. Five hours in a, in a um, sitting on a you know like a cum fiber seat in a kayak yep. or fiberglass seat. It was awful, but um, the terrain and the scenery, as far as awesome, the race goes, yeah, you just yeah. never get it. And the fact it's like historic that you you cross New Zealand in a day. Are you Australia's Forrest Gump? No. <laughs> <laughs> you, you've seemed to really transition out of that was obviously obviously not, but no, running. no. People ask this all like it's a, it's a really good question because people ask it all the time, and the difference because so many like. Um, and a lot of the time for great causes too, but so many yep. people doing these extreme endurance feats like riding across the Nullarbor or running yep. from the length of New Zealand or whatever it is. And um, Didn't that fella just run a marathon a day for yeah. a month or something? Marathon a day. Year? It just doesn't interest me yep. um, and I'm pretty brutal about it because uh, like I've come from a racing background. Yep. So everything I do, I still need to have some – either one, some form of element that it's like either damn set just so hard, not hard because you're going to be out there for 40 days, but hard because, you know, this hill to get up it is, you know, a challenge yeah. um, and always wanting to do it hard or just completely the opposite of I'm doing this because it's just such nice scenery. I'm going to take my time and enjoy yeah. it and film it or whatever it is. Um, and we do a lot of that these days too around filming for tourism, but they're two completely separate things. I either want to enjoy it or I'm like in a race situation or doing something for the sake of doing hard. This yeah. whole idea of just doing stuff, really, um, you know, I'm not Forrest Gump. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Well, you did, what was your third? You, you, you gave us oh. you gave us Alcatraz, <laughs> I, coast to coast. What was the third you, you were going to give I us? Did, I just said three for the sake of it because <laughs> I was thinking the two. But um, what would be a third one? Um, the other big triathlon, I suppose, I did was London Triathlon, which you know goes around big up to Big Ben. Which you won that? Yeah, won London a few times, but it it's kind of historic in the sense of the course, but it's not really that interesting. Um, what would be interesting? Did you do Kona at all? No, never, never did Kona. Um, what was the one you did in? You know what I? Thailand, how you, part of the swimmers open water, then you have to swim. Across oh, that's right. That yeah, that was that. Um, we did one in Phuket where you swam the first half of the swim was in the ocean. Yeah, got, cool. got out. Um, you got out, swam across a lagoon. So if you imagine yep. you're in salt water, so it's like, you know, quite buoyant and holding you up. You run oh, across yeah. this little island, dumping the fresh water. You feel like someone's throwing a ton of bricks on your back. Um, they're always that's hot, cool. hard races. But that's no, if you think about get off triathlon about interesting races and yep. the other interesting one i did was um the larapinta trail which is a multi-stage 
run race out in around Alice Springs. Yeah, right. Um, and Alice Springs is the one place no one expects there to be like running and bike. It's some of the best mountain bike trails yeah. in Australia are literally at the doorstep of Alice Springs. Wow. Um, and then you've got the Larapinta Trail. So it was a four-day race. You're camping out overnight and, um, you know, you just get to see them. Like the scenery you get to see, um, and that's what interests me these days. It's spectacular. The adventure. The adventure, yeah. Yeah. Because that's why, I mean, if you look at, probably ask me why I got into triathlon versus running or why even Ironman probably interests me more than becoming, like, sticking with swimming is, um, you know, Single sports, I think, uh, not so much they get bored. You can still have an element of, like, getting somewhere or doing something for that yep. purpose. But, you know, multi-sport in whichever way it is is always providing something new. And then you add, um, I suppose, off-road multi-sport or an off-road element to that and then you're providing all these new elements. It's like, um, you know, that's what keeps me interesting. And I can do that all day, but then if you went and said, go and do an Ironman, yep. mate, I'll be running the other way at the moment. You know, I couldn't think of... Um, it's different if you're racing it and you were trying to, you know, be a professional athlete and win at, at that thing. But yeah. once you kind of be on that and um, I suppose for me it was like I'd had my time at the games and all that. Nowadays it's what interests me is these really unique opportunities, yeah, interesting that's things. What's it like being part of the, the Red Bull setup? The Like I think one of, one of, one of my favourite – he's not there at <coughs> – excuse me – not there at the moment but Daniel Ricciardo being a Red Bull athlete and – Looking through there today, you got Mick Fanning, Mark Matthews is another one that I find really interesting. He spoke at a a corporate, uh, um, uh, what's it called? You heard his fear speech. Yeah, it was it was amazing. Yeah, uh, what was it? Conference. It was yep. a, he spoke at our company conference. Uh, just for our where where I work. Yeah, right. he came and spoke at um uh, at our Schneider conference. Yep. His story was amazing, and he's talking about like being nervous about public speaking, but. You know, he's, he's surfed Shipstone's Bluff and, and the injuries that he's got and coming back. And, you know, then you got, like, Casey Stoner, Craig Lowndes, all, like, huge names. Like, And every now and then it looks like you guys get to catch up. Like, what's it like being part of that setup and having access to those sorts of people? It's like it sounds. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Um, they provide – I suppose they're the one company that's provided um, – The variance in athletes from different areas and they're generally just one at like there's a couple from different like the same sport but generally it's just from all these unique different sports and you've probably mentioned the you know the better known athletes i suppose yep. or let's say the bigger sports that the public might know but then if you go into like the other sports they support things like hand gliding um yep. you know bmx riding even like nowadays the downhill mountain biking um Canoeing, canoeing, I was going, yeah, base jumping, yeah. Um, a lot of the winter sports too, all the yeah. winter sports, half pipe. So it's such a just such a range of sports. I mean, we've had rugby players that um, come in at stages. Now you've got um, Travis Bode in AFL and dabbling in AFL. So you've got all these different um, athletes to draw. And I suppose if you like, for me, it's always been about finding out what they do in their sports. So I probably spend a lot of time around the motorsports guys because they train very similar to us, yeah. um, which has always been interesting to, you know, get involved or see what they do in their sports. But um, mate, if you asked me 10 or 20 years ago, you know, would you have those interactions and be around those people? It would be a dream. Um, yeah, it's, no, it's nothing else that sort of brings that diverse group of um, athletes together under one sort of banner. Oh, that. 
good example of that, that race you did a couple of times in Rigo. Is that where that guy, you ran? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy had the hang glide off yeah. the statue and all this sort of. Yeah, I mean, they put on. on. Yeah, I mean, that's when probably it's what driven, it's they, Red Bull is what's driven me to go in that direction as well as finding interesting things because they've always put me into or asked me to do interesting things as well. So the race Dane's talking about was called Giants of Rio Um, and literally they – I was the only Red Bull athlete in our team from Australia but we literally – actually in the hand glider, Johnny Durand. Um, And then Kai Hurst came and swam for us. We had a mountain biker who came over for us and literally this race is in Rio. Kai swam out in the ocean but in the middle of his swim he's got off and done a cliff dive. Um, gets out, the, the mountain bikers rode up through the favelas. So a few days, uh, mm. sorry, yeah, the mountain bikers ridden up through the f- um, favelas. They've literally pulled guns out on them warming up the day before. Wow. And then they're racing up there. The hand glider was meant to go off um, up at Cristo at the statue, but the winds weren't perfect. But it literally has gone off from the um, mountains, hand glided down, had to land on like one kind of spot, say target 10 metres wide, like a target. Yeah. Yep. Um, if he missed it, then he, I had to then go and run extra before I even started my run. Yeah, right. Anyway, to me to finish, I had to run 20, literally, I think it was a half marathon in the soft sand along Kokakumana Beach and it was hell, but that's what they call, call men to do, I suppose. And in amongst that, that group, would it, do you think they're all really talented or do you think they've all got that success mindset? Like like trying to get back to that recipe for success, like do you? Are they all? Do you see common traits amongst all those people? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes and no. Um, the common traits are all driven people. Yeah. I mean, you can't do. You can't keep going, getting up in sport, and repeating what you do over and over and over again without being driven. Yeah. And wanting to do it. Um, I think there's. Two, I do believe now, with a bit of hindsight, there's two types of athletes. There's those athletes who, you know, they're purely only driven by competition and winning. Yeah. And and I think majority of those, once they finish sport, they really finish sport, and you never see them again. Yeah. Because they were they didn't really have a love for sport. They had a love for winning, and they had a love like this competitiveness about them. Um, then you have the other side of sport, and I suppose it's where I fit and where um, I probably get along with guys who and guys and girls who are very similar to me is we probably love sport and happen to be good at it. We're competitive because that was the nature of what it is, but we never stopped. So I don't really consider I've ever stopped and retired because I've just found the next thing I want to do and the next thing I want to do and try to do that at a reasonably high high level. Um, And that's – it's kind of sad a little bit to see the guys who are so competitive – um, and driven, like overly driven just to win. And, you know, you see, you see it time and time again, those ones, you know, people who will just do anything to win and, you know, as far as cheat even. But Anyone come to mind? That's all right. No one listens to this uh, podcast. <laughs> 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 oh, I mean, I've, yeah, people have come and gone. I mean, yeah. you, you know them because you'd, you'd never see them again after, yeah. the, after their time. Yeah. After when they finish sport, they don't continue in sport. They literally they'll completely go off in another direction. Um, but for me, what the beauty of sport is, you know, whether you're doing it competitively, competitively or at that level or you've just grown up in the surf club your whole life and you just love sport, you've still got that, you know, that's the bond. 
And that's what continue. You keep fit, number one, but it's all about like the friends you make through it and that. And that sounds like really corny, but it's true because we've, like I know a lot of the people I kind of hang around or still do sport with, we all didn't start in the same sports. You know? We cross over all the yeah. time, whether it's from surfing to, to running to surf lifesaving now to cycling. Um, you know, so many people are getting out mountain biking now. It's, a, it's great because it's something that I've been doing more on my own and now we're starting to get everyone crossing over to that. Cycling's another thing that seems to have exploded on the coast. Like a lot of good cyclists here or is, is that, you know, some, that was something someone asked asked me to ask today about yep. what, what you thought of the local cycling scene on the coast well it's never it's always been strong like yep. if you think of robbie McEwen and and all you know the guys who rode the tour around his time yep. um nick gaze they all used to train here on the gold coast throughout summer so of course they had to be in europe um for the rest of the year but you know gold coast has got the best terrain some of yep. the best cycling um Gold Coast gets dismissed as just being the beach, but they're you know not not far that way. There's some some really oh. nice hills and some great locations. Man, you got Melbourne's probably the biggest in Australia cycling scene. Yep, and they've virtually got the Dandenongs like and their climbs out there and nothing like we got here. Like you'd have to go out to sort of Melbourne. Lot. It's a fair ride to the Dandenongs. I'm guessing. I think it's about an hour to get there. Yeah, but here. 20 minutes from here, where we live, you're out Springbrook, you're out in the hill, half an hour. Yeah. Half an hour bike ride, you're out in eight, yeah. eight nine-kilometre climbs. Yeah. Plus now, types. now people know about the hinterland a bit more, you know, the hiking and the running and um, Gold Coast definitely not just the beaches, that's for sure. But I didn't know that as a kid either until we started riding, really. Who, who's the next big name to look look at in, in an Australian triathlon? Oh. Probably better ask someone else than me. Um, I'm a, I mean, these days I'm across so many different sports. Yep. Um, I don't, to I'll be completely frank, I don't watch a lot don't of triathlon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I kind of had a pretty clear cut. Um, I don't think there's anyone really setting the world on fire, is there? No. I mean, you got some young guys. Matt Houses, obviously, um, you know, super young and making com- the, made the Commonwealth Games team tall, and medal. The Tasmanian. Jake Berthwistle. Yeah, he's probably the. Um, but. Triathlons, yeah, I mean, triathlons are a really unique sport. And again, with hindsight, you kind of realise there's so many different sports within triathlon that it's hard to keep up because mm. you have you have the guys racing for the Olympic Games and a lot of that now happens overseas. So. You don't often see them racing here. So unless you're really following it each weekend and that's what you're, um, you know, your sport of choice, you don't know where they're racing um, overseas. And then Ironman's obviously the biggest event, yeah. you know, and as far as mainstream goes, that's the one. But it's Hawaii Ironman, right? It's still the focus is always America or overseas. Yeah. So um, as an Aussie, it's unless you're, you know, week in, week out doing it, it is quite hard to kind of keep keep tabs on it um but these days i mean with what i do uh like more day to day i'm across so many different sports now that you know i have an interest in a whole range of things and it's people you kind of hang out with yeah. in the sport you follow like you yep. would yep. the people you know are the people you follow right so unless you've got a mate or someone who's actually in that area it's hard to follow something i found interesting going over the noosa results was that the times aren't any quicker now than when they were in the 90s. 
and I don't know whether that's a course change or I, d- I just thought that maybe with with like technology, oh. you know, the bike leg would be that much quicker or, or you EPO, know things like that. But EPO. <laughs> Allegedly, in the nineties, early two thousand. <laughs> no, you would think it'd be faster. Oh, yeah, I just would have thought that you know you'd, you'd mm. see a progressive gain on the time, like you do a lot of sports. But the um, you know the times mm. for the last couple of years weren't any quicker than what the guys were. Girls would, are, yeah, right. Faster, aren't they? Girls are probably going faster. Yeah. yeah. Oh, the guy. I mean, triathlon. It's how you race it, right? You can go. Um, Hard out of the swim and bike and yep. and run. I think these days it's more tactical. Yeah, um, around Noosa for the guys because it's a little like bike. All te- technology has helped, but it's also probably slowed down the race in the fact that they get in packs and no one wants to do the leading or whatever. But then uh, the course, the, the pro- uh, it's not a problem. But um, what has happened with Noosa is the numbers have grown. As the numbers are growing, they've had to extend the course. So okay. you've got to run further through transition, for example, okay. um, because they've allowed greater numbers in the transition. They've had to change the flow and the now they swim it. Yeah. Swim Literally more bikes to put on the rack and yeah. all that sort of thing. So yeah. the swim's now in the ocean yeah, instead of the river. So it's, can't really gauge the distance that well. Yeah. That might be a factor, but yeah, fair I enough. think – I don't They'd have to be going quicker. I mean, the the I sport. Know. I don't think they're running any quicker than you guys did. Like local, Noosa is still a pretty local. Yeah, it used to be quite international from when you were doing it. It's more it seems more local now, as, as far as the top guys are concerned. Yeah. Definitely at the international level. I mean, what's happening now in a, like the Olympic Games competition? Yeah, they're on under thirty. Yeah, and I mean, they because of again just the way sports change, you're getting to now start to get a sneak peek into what the younger guys are doing in their sessions and the times they're like these are triathletes and the times they're running in training off the bike or for you know three k run time trials and this it's like, what would it have done to you if you were um, prepping for London or Beijing and what we've just had happen globally happens and they push the Olympics back twelve months. What does that do to you? Um, I don't know what it'd do to you around the Olympics, but it would have been devastating, mate, as yeah. sport. Like if your if your only thing is racing a sport, which mine was ten years ago. Like yeah. my whole life was revolved. We were in this bubble. My whole life revolved around triathlon, training, eating, sleeping, racing. Where you travelled, my family, everything. Yeah. Um. Your whole life gets taken away from you but in, in saying that I you know there's a lot of other industries that the exactly the same things happen you know there's not yeah. it's not just sport but what amazes me more is like a whole i just it's a sport across the whole board the fact it got completely shut down yeah i mean that's one thing i never thought i'd see well it's not it's it's not been seen since um world, world, war world II. wars yeah, yeah. Oh, i mean even, world the, even some sports went through the wars yeah none of Gone through oh horse racing, it's about the only thing. <laughs> horse racing, yeah. Second Australia's second biggest yeah. industry, yeah. the third biggest industry. You know the Olympics and all that. Missed the wars, but sort of sport was still not going. many, not many. There's only yeah. been like two Olympics missed since 1896. Yeah, or yeah but like you can think even like movies in America, they're still playing like local baseball, yeah. like sport, like, like you. Yeah, true. Well, you could still go. It would have been still playing AFL during the wars yeah. here, like the, the VFL, whatever. Cricket at the time, mm, cricket. Yeah, but yeah, this has been unprecedented, surely. It just, I just never, like, it's just crazy to think when you look at it and think it just shut down for that amount of time and 
that people couldn't touch each other. What, what, what could have happened if that NBA player didn't lick all the microphones? Like, yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was a real house of cards after that happened. Well, what do you reckon, off topic, um, footy do, starting I do this the week. questions, Dane. Yeah, I know. Footy starting this week. Yeah, I'm pumped. They can tackle, sweating all over each other. Yeah. But cricket's coming back and they're not... They're not allowed to um, lick the ball. No, lick well, it. not lick the ball, but not allowed to celebrate a wicket by having a, you know. That's to stop Faf to play <laughs> to uh, putting his lollies on the ball, I think. That? Oh, you can't give your hat to the umpire. Tell you what, mate, school pickup was chaos this afternoon. Oh, wasn't it? <laughs> Don't worry <laughs> about tackling each other in scrums. Um, I guess the point is that they're all tested. I don't know. By the time yeah, cricket maybe, starts, yeah. it, we could, it could be either a non-event or we've had wave two and they've yeah, yeah. They cricket cancelled for the year. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, it's looking promising here in Australia, yeah. right? But what what is of more interest, I suppose, from an elite sport perspective is international travel is not going to happen anytime soon. No. Yeah. So you're, you know, it's, it's great having Australian sport back on and, you know, country-specific competition, but any sport that relies on an international competition, so if you think of like world surfing, if you think mm. of the Olympics, if you think of any sport that's of that level, um, tennis, I mean... And Formula One, Formula golf, One, yeah, anything, you can't travel. Um, and there's obviously going to be, you know, reasonable risk for a long time. They're, yeah. they're talking about, I think it was, uh, mm. don't quote me, but I think McLaren, someone was telling me on the weekend, McLaren are looking to have to sell some of their old, like, uh, collectible race cars that they've got in their workshop just to, uh, Fund, just to pump, pump really? the funding up. Like, yep. Oh. yep. Well, let's, let's hope it all gets back. Okay. Hey. For everyone. You've been a really good guest, but I've got three questions that I always try and finish on for... I was supposed to word you up before we started, but I forgot. But it's sort of like a rapid fire. So here we go. Favourite place in the world for a beer? North Burley Surf Club. The schooners taste best at North Burley. Uh, Favourite athlete of all time? It doesn't have to be the best, but your favourite athlete of all time. I actually don't have an answer for that. I, re- I really, really do not have an answer for that. No good. No good. It's the first strike yet we've had, actually. That, I do not have an answer for it. You know what? Because, yeah, I just don't have an answer for it. It changes. It changes yeah. with, with what I'm interested in. I don't know. Do, do you know Cliffy Rod from North Burley? Yeah, he well, ca- you know, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he came on the pod and he had about 15 yeah, people. <laughs> he rattled it horribly. Really? Well, that's what, yeah, that's what Courtney's saying. It changed. <laughs> yeah, it changes. Yeah. Like, depends he on was the same. Uh, yeah. When you're a kid, you love... I think you were one of his, actually. One of the names he wrote. Brad off. Bevan was my, like, a childhood. Like, he if you just get wanted to emulate Brad, like, and that's all. That's how I've kind of went yeah. into what I did in triathlon. If you got an animal for your for your nickname, so like the shark, Greg Norman, Tiger yeah. Woods, obviously, the croc, like he's in elite company there for <laughs> for, for athletes. Yeah. All right, last one. If you could have any four people over for a barbecue and some beers, who's coming and what are you cooking? Oh my god, these types of questions. It's, it's cliche, but it's one of my faves. <laughs> Get some good answers. Who would I have for a barbecue? <laughs> the honest answer is <laughs> I think of four people that would like least stress my brain to think about it at the moment. <laughs> Dane, my wife. <laughs> oh, nice. My kids. There you go, four. Nah. Very good. No, nah, I'm not. I'm taking the piss a little bit out of you, but um, yeah, mate. I, 
honestly, like I get to meet some pretty interesting people in yep. in everyday life. It's just standard, never, it's just a standard I, Saturday. No, no, it's definitely not standard Saturday, but like I never like really think too much about questions or yeah. what's the best and what's this because mate, like I'm You're always. That's the problem. Nah, when nah, you're one of them, definitely not. I have any heroes. He lies. He lies <laughs> awake thinking about the, you know, what he's going to do the next day right. to improve. And I'm lying there thinking about questions I can ask. For. <laughs> 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 It'd be interesting to ask, say, Michael Jordan or Tiger Woods that who would you have over, and they'd be like, well, no one. <laughs> oh, honest, I don't, honest. I don't, I don't like people. <laughs> he used to hang out with his security guard. Honest yeah. question, no, but like honest answer is, if you said to me like what. Who would I want to have over for dinner or whatever? My probably preference would be to get like mates I haven't seen in a while and have a yeah. beer and have dinner, because that's something like Daniel's like probably back me up here. It's something that probably I do miss out on a little bit because I'm never at home. Never at home. It's certainly something I've missed. You know, when people talk about oh the pub, I need to get, need to get back to the pub. The only thing I've really missed is that bar. Having like another family over for a barbecue yeah. on the weekend, That's it, yeah. you know the pub. Yeah, I'll enjoy it when I get there, but it's, it's I'm not busting to go to a restaurant or or something like that. Yeah. Um, thank you very much. Where can our listeners find you online? Follow. Um, generally tagged under Mister Courtney Atkinson because of the name to try and avert any. I blame my parents a little bit for <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I've heard uh, things. So yeah, Mr. Courtney Atkinson across um, most channels. We've got a couple of things for you. Got a six pack of Goldies for you. Oh, oh man! Oh. You know, I'll tell a quick story about Courtney and Gold. I don't know if you'll ever remember. <laughs> Hang on, six pack of Gold. Oh, I reckon. I reckon I know the story because Walker would, Timmy Walker would never let me live this down. I've got a beers and banner hat for you there, oh, sweet. and the guys at Group Star Socks uh, sent over a pair of socks. Oh, they're, nice. they're looking after us at the moment, so they're all yours now. I want to hear this uh, Forest Gold story. Oh, well, when we were young, younger, we were going out night clubbing, and we we're at Billy's probably. Mm. Where all the surf club people hung, and we had a mate, is a TSS boy, lifeguard, Marshall Keane, who was a host at the Berlin Bar, which was. Do you remember that? I remember Melbourne's. I remember being in Melbourne's when oh, I was about this 16 Berlin after Aussies. Bar was like down this alleyway. It was like a bit of a. It's a no summer line yeah, up. Yeah, it was real. It sort of. Wasn't, it wasn't our gig. Nightclubby, really. <laughs> nightclubby, like. Type of thing. So we all went there and Marshall got us in for free, took us to the bar and said, give these guys whatever they want to drink. And we're like, oh, giddy up. You know, eyes, vodkas, bourbons, all this spirits. And he gets to corner, he goes, 4X gold. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. The barman is saying, Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I think we got them somewhere in the back of the in the back of the yeah. fridge. Gold's come back in, you know. It, it went out. It went out there it. for a while. Yeah, Courtney's been on it for Milton Mango. Yeah, <laughs> Milton Mango's come back in. I was crossing crossing over. Um, we we're on the ferry going over to Tassie, and thinking of all places to get one. And of course, in the ferry going, what is it? What's the ferry called to go over to Tassie? Spirit of Tasmania. Yeah, mate. Stock and gold. Even down I'm there. starting to get back on the get on the goal because I can't handle the, the full strength. <laughs> that's that's the that's the killer with some of these craft beers is that I've drunk gold my, most of my adult life and then I've tried to just broaden my horizons and you know try all these different beers, but they send you for six something. Well, craft what? ones are stronger than heavies, aren't they? Yeah, some for sure. Yeah, some of them are really knock your socks off. Mm. On that note, 
Um, thanks for listening. Don't forget to like, follow, subscribe and share. Really appreciate it. Um, and we'll see you all again soon. Cheers. Thanks for coming. Thanks for having us on. Thanks, Dane. Thanks, Dane. Thanks, Dane. Thanks, Dane.